0: Luke chapter twelve, uh, verse thirty-five. Let your loins be girded about. I won't ask you to look at your neighbor and say that, because <laughs> it could get awkward pretty quick. What in the world does that mean? We'll, we'll we'll talk about it a little bit today. Let your loins, Jesus said, let your loins be girded about, and your lights burning. And you yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord. How many's waiting for the Lord? You waiting for the Lord? I think it's a great way to begin our new year. Like unto men that wait for their Lord, when He, when He will return from the wedding, that when He cometh and knocketh, they may open unto Him immediately. In other words, when He comes, they're ready. And that's the kind of position that we need to be in loins girded our lamps burning preparing and waiting so that when we hear the knock we're ready to go in an instant mm. Jesus help us mm-hmm. blessed are those servants whom the Lord when he cometh shall find watching verily I say unto you that he shall gird himself he the master shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and we'll come forth and serve them. How many is ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb? I know some of you people, you like to eat. The most popular life groups in our church are the ones that serve food, it seems like. There's going to be a great marriage supper and we, we want to be ready for that. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so, blessed are those servants. Blessed. I want to be a blessed servant. I'll be prepared and ready. And this know that if the goodman of the house had known what hour, and he switches gears just a little bit to a different metaphor, the thief would come, he would have watched. In other words, if you know when someone's going to break in your house, if it's going to be at... 223 in the middle of the night you're going to be wide awake with your shotgun loaded right you're you're going to be prepared you are going to be ready he's what he's saying here if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would come he would have watched he would have watched he would have watched he would have been aware and not have suffered his house to be broken through And Jesus says these words that I'd like to preach out of this morning. Be ye therefore ready also. I feel strength in those words this morning. Be ye therefore ready also. For the Son of Man cometh at an hour when you think not. And like that, it's going to happen. And like that, everything's going to change. And like that, the Lord is going to come back. And like that, those that are ready will go, and those that are not ready will stay. Like that, everything will change. And so, my message this morning is be ready. Jesus is coming. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. You are coming, Jesus. Hallelujah. Help us to be. Aware, help us to be awake help us to be watching help us to be at our post you are coming we're excited about it we're preparing for it Oh Lord help us all in this house to be ready in Jesus name God bless you You may be seated I thought about this I I could say I I did intentionally the, the Bible says be ready it doesn't say get ready but there are I would suppose a group of people that are not ready that do need to get ready and if you're here this morning and you're not ready I'm encouraging you to get ready if you are here today and you know that God is real and true and you have not repented of your sins you need to hear this preacher this morning and you need to repent of your sins because Jesus is coming If you have procrastinated and you have put off being water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm encouraging you this morning, don't wait another moment. You give your life to God, you go down in water and be buried with him in the waters of baptism. In the name of Jesus, for the remission of your sins. I. We present that powerfully and frequently, but also I I want to just say equally as important. If you don't have the Spirit of God in your life and you have not spoken in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance, I want you to know that you need the Holy Ghost in your life. It says, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So you got to get ready. You got to get ready. You got to get ready because Jesus is coming. If your neighbors haven't received that, they're not ready. If your co-workers have not received that, they're not ready. Anybody and everybody, under the sound of my voice, anybody in this community, anybody in this state that has not received that message is not ready. And can I tell you, when Jesus comes, nothing is going to stop him. We need to get ready. You need to get ready. President Roosevelt called it in his very famous address to the nation, and I quote, a day that will live in infamy. The day was December the 6th, 1941. It was the day that plunged our entire nation into a world war. It is the Japanese invasion of Pearl Harbor. Japanese planes attacked in two waves. A total of 360 planes reached Oahu. Slow, vulnerable torpedo bombers led the first wave Exploding the first moments of surprise to attack the most important ships present, which were the battleships, while dive bombers attacked U.S. air bases across Oahu, starting with Hickam Field, the largest, and Wheeler Field, the main AAC fighter base. 171 planes in the second wave attacked the Air Corps Bellowfield near Kanahoe on the windward side of the island and Ford Island. The only significant air opposition came from just a very small handful of P-36 Hawks and P-40 Warhawks. They were not ready. As the first wave approached Oahu, an Army SCR-270 radar at upon a point near the island's north tip, a post that was not yet operational, having been in training mode for months, detected them and called in a warning. Interestingly, although the operators reported a target echo larger than anything that they had ever seen, an untrained officer at the new and only partially activated intercept center, Lieutenant Kerman A. Tyler, presumed that the scheduled arrival of six B-17 bombers was the source. And he was terribly, terribly mistaken. The direction from which the aircraft were coming was close, only a few degrees separated two inbound courses. The operators had never seen a formation as large as the US bombers on radar, and possibly because the operators had only seen the lead element of incoming attack. The result of this fateful day, terrible day, is that five battleships, three destroyers, seven other ships, and 200 aircraft. Were destroyed on this day 2400 Americans died catapulting this nation into a world war I'll ask you a simple question and maybe you can take a poke of a guess at what day this horrible surprise attack happened on Monday through Sunday (laughs) it was a Sunday that the attack happened. The surprise attack happened on a Sunday morning. I wonder how many people sleep their way through a Sunday morning attack. Slumbering away while the dull roar of engines is being heard overhead. Bombs are dropping, people are dying, ships are sinking, lives are being taken into eternity while people were sleeping. Terrible things can happen when we are asleep and we least expect it. Somebody said amen. Amen. Nudge the person next to you and say make sure that you're awake. You don't want to sleep through important moments in time and history. There are some things that you and I cannot afford to miss. Some things we can sleep through. Some things we better never, never sleep through. I was, if I remember, I was either 18 or 19. I think I was 19 years old. And I had been participating in Bible college. I think it was my second year. And I had a certain class that, candidly I despised I'm sure it taught me things that I needed to know but at that time I didn't think it was very valuable and so at that time I was working a midnight shift and so I would I'd work from I think 11 o'clock until six or seven in the morning and I worked through the night and so as a result of, of working through the night there were some mornings I was really good but there were some mornings that I inadvertently slept through class Due to working midnights. And this certain class that I heavily dislike, I worked very hard. I'd work my way through the class, I got all the way almost to the very end of the class. And I can remember it like it was yesterday, 19 years old. I I got off my shift. I think my class started at 9 o'clock. It's 7 o'clock in the morning. I, I go into my room and I got my folder out and I'm studying for the final exam. This is the last test. This is the last class of a long, arduous journey that I did not enjoy. And I sat there upon my bed and I pulled out my notes and I'm reading through my notes and I'm preparing for the final exam. Only to wake up at about 11 o'clock with that feeling. You know that feeling that you get when, you're, when, when your heart just goes, and I woke up, and it's like, you know, like you know, when babies do that jerk thing when they wake up? And I, and I, and I wake up, and I, and I look at my watch, and I'm like, oh, God. I missed the final exam. It was the only class, I think, in all of my Bible school experience that I flunked. And it was because I slept through a very, very important final exam. Mm. There's going to be a lot of sad people on Judgment Day that slept through the final exam. That wake up to face the White Throne Judgment. I just feel like an old fashioned preacher here this morning. That wake up in hell. And they wake up in hell as their final eternal destination. And they woke up too late. They missed the final exam. My God, I feel here this morning. I feel an urgency in my spirit to bring a reminder to everybody that's here this morning church, stay awake this is no time to fall asleep this is no time to slumber our way through the second coming of jesus this is no time to to fall asleep the bible tells us in ephesians 5 and 13 but all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light for whatsoever doth make manifest is light wherefore he saith in light of that Awake, thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. The church needs to be proclaiming a message to those that are asleep in the church and those that are asleep outside of the church that Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Come on, church, Jesus is coming. It could be any moment. It could be any minute. Jesus is coming. Don't be asleep for the coming of Jesus, says the apostolic writer. Corinthians 15, says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Other translations say bad company corrupts good manners. In other words, you can be living for the Lord for a while, and all of a sudden the wrong influences can steer you in a wrong direction. Let me tell you something this morning. It matters who you hang with. It matters who you run with. If you want to be a turkey, run with the turkeys. If you want to be an eagle, you're going to have to fly with eagles. We make decisions in our life. And can I tell you this morning? They have eternal ramifications. Who I run with, the way that I live my life, living my life honestly with integrity and purity and holiness before the Lord may be old-fashioned to the world, but it is full-fashioned for the church that we as God's people, come on. Irregardless of what the world thinks, it doesn't matter because we're not out here to please the world. We're here to walk with our God and please our God because one day the trumpet's going to sound to call us home and it's going to be worth it all that we live for God and we please the Lord and we walk with God and we did God's will with our lives. It is going to matter that we lived our lives awake Which is what Paul said, awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. He said, I speak this to your shame. Wake up, he's saying. Stay awake. Don't fall asleep. He says in Romans 13 and 11, and that knowing the time, I like this verse, beautiful verse. And that knowing the time, knowing the time. We need to be a people that know the time. Do you know what time it is? If you're wearing a watch, do you know what time it is? It's 11.59 in about 30 seconds. Do you know what time it is? He said, knowing the time that now it is, high time to awake out of sleep. He said, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. You know what that means? If you've been living for God a long time, we're closer than we've ever been. It's never been more important for us to be dialed in and engaged because the Lord's coming back. Jesus is coming back. You may have been at this thing for 50 years or 70 years or 30 years or 20 years, but the scripture tells us that our salvation, you say, well, I thought I, got, I already got saved. Well, you did get saved, but can I tell you you're not all the way saved? Saved is in three tenses. I was saved, I am saved, and I will be saved. We have not had our final salvation yet, but the time is going to come when we are going to be forever saved. We're going to be called home to be with our Lord in an unending eternity, and it's going to be worth it that we live for God, that we were awake, that we were alive, that we were abiding in the Lord, that we were fulfilling God's plan, that our our wicks were trim and our lamps were full, and we had oil in us and we were in a readied posture. We were on the edge of our seat. We're, we're ready. Our eyes are open. They're to the skies. We're looking for the soon return of the Lord because Jesus is coming back soon. Jesus is coming back soon. He said our salvation is nearer than we when we believe the night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Oh, hallelujah. I may talk to just a small minority group here this morning, but if you're playing around with sin, if you're compromised, if you're not where you need to be, listen up, don't procrastinate the decision any longer. Come on church get it under the blood get your sins under the blood of jesus repent and clear your life up and live for god not halfway i wish i had a witness here this morning not halfway but all the way because jesus is coming jesus is coming The scripture tells us Jesus is coming for a bride that hath made herself ready. We've been purified. We've been justified. We're glorified. We're filled with the Holy Ghost, walking with God, doing God's will. So that when he comes, we're going to be ready to meet him. Stay awake. Don't be surprised. Don't be caught off guard. Wake up. You ever been surprised? (laughs) You ever been surprised? Amen. Woke up one Saturday morning, this is a number of years ago. Woke up one Saturday morning and I had about three inches of sleep in the corner of my eyes. And I wiped them out and I walked down my stairs and walked down my stairs and I stepped on that last step and then I stepped down to the floor. I felt the squish of water. And as I walked through my house, I walked into the bathroom and there was water. I walked in the living room and the carpets were full of water and I was splish splashing around. I walked down the hallway. I walked down into my kids' bedrooms and there's water in it. And somehow during the night, uh, the mechanism on the toilet broke and that toilet ran all night and flowed over the toilet and flooded the entire lower level of our house. Surprise! (laughs) Kind of surprise you want to see. Quickly calling uh, one of the... Reclamation places, they came in in a short order in about three hours they had our entire base or our entire main level of our house completely gutted. They had all the flooring ripped up and and and, and just like that, a surprise. There are some surprises that are bad. They're not they're not good surprises. They're kinda of surprised you don't you don't greet with a smile on your face. Should I tell you about preacher nightmares? Preacher dreams. You're in a dream and you wake up and you're scheduled, Brother Merrick, you're scheduled to preach to 20,000 people and you look down, you don't got your pants on. (laughs) That ain't cool. And then you're looking around for your notes and you can't find your notes. You can't, what am I supposed to preach? I'm up in five minutes. I can't find my pants. I can't find my notes. What am I going to do? That is a nightmare to a preacher. That is a nightmare. That is. That is, it's, and I don't know exactly what it means, evidently a fear of unpreparedness psychologically somewhere. I don't have those dreams anymore. I don't know why. I don't know if that's good or that's bad. <laughs> but that sick feeling that manifests in your belly, the inner terror of vulnerability, unpreparedness, it's, here it is, here's my opportunity, and I'm not ready for it. I'm not, I'm not ready for it. I remember, I was driving down the road in Michigan one day, I was uh, probably 20 years old, and I had a, super cool toyota 4x4 with a three inch lift oversized tires cool rims there was a day i was cool (laughs) sorry driving down the road and and i I was driving down the road and i remember i was coming up to a stoplight and there there were two lanes on one side two middle lane two lanes and then there was a turn lane and i was driving down the road i looked at the light it turns red and i pulled over into the far third turning lane and as i i pulled into that turning lane, all the vehicles began to stop at the light, but evidently there were a few vehicles that weren't paying attention. I can remember it was like it happened in slow motion. I pulled into that side lane and as I pulled over, everything slowed up and I looked over and I watched as this car did not tap its brakes and just... smash and then it was smash and then the, the other lane smash and smash 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 and, 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 and I just remember locking my truck up and stepping out of my truck and the eerie silence that, that filled the, the highway at that moment and then into the silence you could hear the, the cry the baby in the back seat you heard the, the occupants of the vehicles begin to cry you look and there's people with blood on their, on their head and, and uh, just, 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 like, just like that people caught unprepared in a moment just like that surprises are bad they are worse when you are unprepared for them I would say today that to miss the coming of Jesus would be the the worst thing imaginable I can think of no greater terror Than for the Lord to come back and not be ready for the Lord to come back and to miss the coming of Jesus Christ I am so thankful today though that the Lord does not want us to be caught surprised furthermore I want to I want to just remind all of us in the church and all of us under the sound of my voice that aren't in the church you don't have to be surprised you don't have to be caught unprepared you don't have to be unready for the most important event in history i want you to know that you can be ready for the return of jesus christ you can be ready for the return of jesus christ it is going to happen and god wants you to be ready for when it happens but for that to happen it's going to take some preparation on our part yeah ask just some questions here and they're rhetorical questions they may be very simple to answer but how many believe that jesus came the first time you believe that obviously you do you wouldn't be here right you believe that you believe that jesus came jesus came historically it can be proven that jesus came god was manifest in the flesh of bethlehem it happened I, don't think, I think that's without dispute, that, that Jesus came. Can I tell you that as surely as Jesus came the first time, he will come again. Just as real as it is that Jesus came the first time, he is going to come again. He has promised us that. The Bible says in the book of Acts, the first chapter and the ninth verse, when he had spoken these things, they're, they're, as, as he gets ready to ascend into heaven, notice with me, the disciples are there. While they beheld, they're watching Jesus. While they beheld, he was taken up. While they're watching Jesus, what a cool thing that would have been to see. And all of a sudden, Jesus starts floating up. And they're standing there, and they're like... The Bible says, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And there's the clouds and there's, and he's gone. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Some angels were standing there, which said unto them, you men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? That sounds like a rhetorical question to me. Because obviously, it's kind of I'm staring into heaven because I've never seen anything like this before. This is kind of a wild event. The Jesus that I've been serving now and following for three and a half years is now just levitated up into the heavens. That's why I'm gazing up into heaven. But notice, they said, This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven, this Jesus shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And the same way that you saw him go is the same way that you're going to see him come. Man, I feel like just preaching with faith to the church that that event that happened is going to happen again. He was taken up into heaven, and he's going to come back from heaven to take us up to be with him, to be with the Lord in an unending eternity. It's going to happen again. It's going to happen again. It will happen again. As soon as you and I are here, as sure as we are here, it is going to happen again. There is going to be a return of Jesus, a a second coming of Jesus. But the real question that probably is on everybody's mind is, when? When? We know it's going to happen because you know what? This is what can happen. What can happen is you can be like, oh, yeah, someday. Someday it's going to happen. Someday in the indefinite future it's good can i tell you it's that that someday in the indefinite future could be right now it could be right now do we believe our bible it could be this very moment we could be five minutes away from eternity we we don't know when jesus is coming exactly we don't know the day or the hour so what are you saying i'm saying that the posture of the church then is that we are in this waiting game right right Jesus is coming, we don't know exactly when. And because of the fact that we don't know exactly when it's going to happen, I think there's some genius in God's plan. Because if we knew exactly when he was going to come, there'd be a lot of people in their flesh that would get lazy. Come on. A lot of people be like, well, you know, I got, I got, I got like six years, three months, and 22 days. I'm just gonna wait a little while. And then just slip right in. But, but, but no, 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 no. That's not the posture of the church. The posture of the church is the posture of God's people is that we would be ready at all times, is that we would be prepared, that we'd be prayed up, that we'd be living righteous, holy lives for Him, that we'd be in anxious anticipation. Can't wait. Do you hear what I just said? Can't wait. Sometimes we preach the coming of the Lord like, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh, better watch out. No, for those that love the Lord, the greatest thing that will happen in our life is graduation day when we get to be with the Lord. The best day that we will ever have is the day that we get resurrected to be with our great Lord. Come on, if this Bible is true, our best life is not here and now. If this Bible is true, then our best life is there and then. It's when he comes back and he receives us unto himself the greatest days of our life are going to be spent in eternity with Jesus, not down here on planet Earth. That's why we anxiously await his soon return because Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for his bride, he's coming back for his church. We don't know when. That's why we live in a state of readiness. Amen. That brings us to Luke chapter 12, 35. So let your loins be girded. <laughs> let your loins be girded. I dare you to go out in your community and witness to people. Try that one on them. Let your loins be girded. What does that mean? They used to have long flowing robes, and they would take the robe and they would tuck that robe up. They'd grab it into a, into a big portion, and then they'd wrap it around. They they tie it and and what that meant was they would they would gird their loins they would they would take that robe and they would get in a position ready to work ready to fight ready to run they'd be in a prepared position not in a relaxed state they'd be in a state of ready ready to work ready ready for preparation cuz we don't know what's coming yet cuz cuz things are coming our way we got to be ready for it. that's when he says let your loins be girded everybody in in common colloquial terms would understand what he meant that meant you you got to get you got to get ready you got you got to be fully prepared you got to be engaged in this thing you got to get Ready because it's going to happen. You don't know exactly when, so your loins have to be girded. You have to be ready. You have to be prepared. Secondly, he said, "Your lights burning. Your lights burning." How many know we're living in a dark world today? I I mean, I get frustrated by it. Don't we all get frustrated by it? We get frustrated by our world. We get. I get frustrated with America. I'm frustrated with our country. Our country is on a careening course. Direction that's going to send it into oblivion. We're headed toward communism. We're headed toward evil. I, I don't know, but at the end of the day, it, all of that stuff bothers me, but really, I don't wanna just curse the darkness. What I, what I wanna say is, and, and, and if we were a church that was planted in the middle of wicked Rome, Babylon of its day, that even in the middle of Rome, there can be a thriving apostolic church in the middle of Rome because there's a group of people whose loins are girt and their lights are burning. Come on, church. We can be prepared in the middle of a wicked world. We can still walk faithfully with our God. We can still walk in righteousness and holiness with our God, even when the world is all messed up. As a matter of fact, that is what God is calling us to do. I can stand here all day long and talk about all the problems in our world, but really the truth is, you walk through history, there's always been problems in our world. Even on our best days, there was problems in our world. But the more important thing is, not how dark the world is, the more important thing is that the church, and when I say the church, I don't mean just collective. I mean individual members of the church. They have their lights shining. They have their lights shining. I'm a weirdo about this kind of stuff. You don't have to say amen to that. But I'm a guy that's got a whole, I like, I mean, can a guy ever own enough headlamps? Is it possible to own enough headlamps? I got headlamps in my truck. I keep them in front pocket. I keep them everywhere I go. I got a headlamp. I got a headlamp. Because you never know when you're going to need a headlamp, right? Ron? I mean, you're working out and it's dark and you just, you strap that dude on and, and you're just, man, you're ready to go. Your lights are on. I love it because you're working outside and you just, you can go out to your shed and I don't have lights out in my shed. So I just, you just, I, I got these with me everywhere, everywhere I go. Can you have enough, Levi? Can you have enough headlamps? Is it possible? Can I tell you, though, we are living in a dark world? Who's back there? Do you guys know how to turn off the main lights in the sanctuary? Can you do it? Do we dare have you do it? (laughs) They're shaking their head. Oh, man, you're wrecking my example. You know what a dark world needs? A dark world needs a bunch of people. You know, I feel like reminding you this morning, you're going to be different. Travis, you're going to be different. Amanda, you're going to be different. Isaac, you're going to be different. Shane, you're going to be different. God's called us to be different so that in the middle of a dark world, what happens if we turn out our lights? People fall asleep. Am I blinding you yet? We should all get our cell phones out and turn our cell phones. No, we shouldn't do that. Bring those lights back up. What did Jesus say? He said, your light's burning. Your light's burning. Your light's burning. You're prepared. Verse 36, he says, And you yourselves like unto men, like unto men that wait for their Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, when he comes and knocks, they may open to him Immediately, who's he talking? He's talking about their Lord, their boss, their master, the owner of the estate, that that the servants know that he's at the wedding and that when he comes back, that they're gonna be ready for him. They're gonna be ready. They are prepared. Can I tell you, church, that we have a royal calling upon our lives, a, a dignity and a privilege to be servants of the Lord? We're privileged. We're honored with that. And all he asks of us is be ready because he's coming he's coming he's coming he's coming have your loins girt have your lights have your lights ready and he said like unto men who wait for their lord we are waiting for our lord blessed are those servants whom the lord when he cometh shall find watching verily i say unto you that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet and will come forth and serve them there's going to be a point in time where he is always going to be our lord but also he is going to include us at the supper table and we will be able to be with him and can i tell you it is going to be worth it when we see jesus when the Lord invites us to that wonderful marriage supper of the Lamb. I fear we sing too few songs about heaven. I'll say it again. We sing too few songs about heaven. I thank God that the Lord can bless us in this life, but friend, the life that we're going to have in eternity is going to be, this life is going to be nothing in comparison to what it's going to be like when we walk streets of gold and see walls of jasper, when we see long lost loved ones that are in the faith and in the Lord that you haven't seen in in decades. It's going to be worth it, and looking across that vast expanse of heaven, we look across, there's going to be one who is the light of that place. There is no sun because he is the light of that place. And we're going to look and we're going to see nail-scarred hands. I've never seen him. I've felt him. I've heard him, but I've never seen him. But there will come a day when I see him, he who hung upon the middle tree, who gave his life and his blood. One day I will look at those nail-scarred hands and I'll look into the eyes of the one who gave himself for me. And can I tell you, church, it is going to be worth it all some beautiful happy day it's gonna be worth it it's gonna be worth it that's why we don't want to fall asleep we want to be awake we want to be aware we want to be prepared he says in 38 and if he shall come notice what he says in the second watch or come in the third watch And find them so this the second and third watch is like it's from midnight into the morning it's it's the dark time it's the time when most people are sleeping he said if he shall come in those watches when everyone else is sleeping he said and find them so blessed are those servants the operative word is in that watch, that watch of the night, those times. And he's telling them throughout these passages if he finds them watching. What are you saying? The, the, the word in this passage is watch. It's what, be on guard, be prepared, be tuned, be aware. We've got to be watching, church. We've got to be watching. I'll tell you, there are two things that we need to watch. Number one, we need to watch ourselves. And I know it's important we have people that are looking out for us. I thank God for the benevolence and kindness and goodness of this church. I thank God for people that care in this church. But let me tell you what, you have to care more than anybody else in this church can care about you. You have to care for your own soul. What are you going to do if somebody isn't looking out for you? You're going to backslide? Of course not. No, that's not what we're going to do. I love the admonition that Paul gave unto Timothy. He said, he said these words to a young preacher, to a young minister, to a pastor. He 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 told him. He said, "Whatever you do, make sure make sure that you are awake." He said, "Take heed unto thyself and to the doctrine, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee." He said, "Take heed unto thyself." What does that mean? That means you got to keep an eye On yourself. Take heed unto yourself. There's gonna be times that other people aren't looking out for you. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta keep an eye on yourself. You know what that means? That you've got I've got to, with God's help, in a prayerful position, I've got to monitor my own life. Monitor what's happening in my heart. Have you ever done things you wish you wouldn't have done? You ever said things you wish you wouldn't have said? You ever felt yourself kind of getting away from yourself? You ever seen behaviors or patterns in your own life that you're like, probably I shouldn't act like this. Probably I shouldn't do this. That's called self-monitoring. Take heed unto thyself. What he's saying is I gotta watch myself sometimes. I've gotta watch and probably one thing I need to watch, I gotta watch myself. Cause I don't wanna let myself slip away. It's possible, do you realize that during the most dynamic, powerful apostolic ministry in the New Testament of miracle signs and wonders, powerful churches churches be implanted anointed man of God that there's a Demas that slowly slipped away the Bible says having loved this present world you can backslide in a great church but i tell you how you don't backslide in a great church is watch yourself take heed unto thyself he said and to the doctrine What we believe matters. Oh, yes, it does. This ecumenical movement, I'm not here to throw stones. I want to tell you right now, there's some things you can't mix and marinate with. Some things you can't shift and change and say, oh, we just want to be more of this and more of that. We've We've got to stay true to the book, church. We've got to stay true to the word. I don't mean with arrogance. I mean with humility, gratitude, and grace. Thank God for the truth that we have. We take heed unto ourselves and to the doctrine. There's no time to let anything go. I don't want to let one truth that God has blessed us with let it go out of our fingers. Jesus is coming. We watch ourselves and we watch for our Lord. Jesus is coming. That's what he's saying here during this watch, we're watching second and third watch. That's the middle of the night. That's the easiest time to fall asleep. Tell you what, I got to think about this the other day. Do we realize as a church, do we realize the times we are living in, we are living in prosperity unlike any other? In some ways, I'm not wishing for this. I'm not saying this because I don't really want it personally, if you really want to know. But you know what? In some ways, in some ways, the church did better under persecution than she did under blessing. And I got to thinking, do you realize that's us? We're living in incredibly prosperous times. We have so much. Even the most poor in America, we have so much. And that's why even more so, we got to put more fuel on the fire. Make sure that we're not distracted. Make sure that things aren't casting our attention this way or that way that are softening us. This way and that way that is cooling us. This way and that that way that is trying to distract us away from the most important important value in our life. And the value of our life that matters is Jesus is coming. He's my Lord. I want to make him happy. I want to be prepared for his return. And when he comes, I want him to find me faithful. I want him to find me on fire. I want him to find me true to him because he's going to come one way or another. But I want to be ready when he comes. In the middle of the night, the darkest time, though there's been a long delay, I want to be ready for the Lord he talks about a long delay that happens here and he's saying in this delay don't get careless don't give sleep to your eyes be awake I was thinking about it this Thursday for me this Thursday i not going to give you the date because I'm so repetitive. It's pathetic. But this Thursday will be 37 years of walking with God. And I tell you, God's been good to me. God's been good to me. He has been. I haven't always been faithful. But he has been faithful to me. 37 years. That's a long time. But it's really not that long of a time. To me, it feels like a long time. To him it's just it's just a blip it's a blink so I've, I've got to remain engaged and connected I can't get careless oh he's coming I speak to those that were maybe raised in church this is all you've known we celebrate with you we congratulate we thank God that you were given the privilege Lord willing to be saved from all the pain Don't don't ever think that to have a testimony, you've got to go out in the world and sully your life and mess your mind and your heart up. Don't, Don't fall for the fatal fallacy. Don't believe that you've got to leave to have something to come back to because the truth of the matter is a lot of people leave and they never come back. They don't make it back. This world is crude. This world is brutal. This world is terrible. And so for those that have been raised in church and you have faithfully, you've been in the church, I am here to Celebrate with you. I am here to encourage you. Keep on, keeping on. You don't have to ever lose your testimony. Come on, you don't ever have to sully your life. You you, you don't have to get unsaved to feel like you can really get saved. Because if you've been raised in the truth and you've obeyed the gospel, you are as saved as the un-persons, unsaved person that comes into the church and gets saved is. You got saved like they got saved. You didn't have to go through a lot of that mess. And so I may preach to someone that you you were raised under a pew. You you've heard this you've heard this voice you've laid under a pew and you've heard the voice that's that's here right now and it's so easy to tune it out and to fall asleep you've heard the singing of the songs and you've been around all these years can I tell you it's gonna be worth it for you that have been raised in church your whole life keep living for God don't fall asleep I got this suitcase here you know why I got it here because I'm ready. My suitcase is packed. My suitcase is packed. So when he comes, I'm going to be ready to go. I don't know when it's going to happen, but this suitcase is going to be packed. My suitcase is going to be packed. And if the Lord comes back this afternoon, I'm going to say, hasta la vista to the world. I'm going to go to be with Jesus. And if it's next week, my suitcase is going to stay packed. If there's one thing with God's help, then I, and I, this is when my walk with God changed as a teenager. I came to the Lord, and I literally remember after the dynamic, revolutionary experience of God that came into my life, I literally remember thinking in my mind, Ron, I can remember thinking as a new believer, can I live this way forever? Can I really? I love God, but I don't know. Am I gonna, can I pull this off? Can I really live for God forever? Is this going to last and I can remember thinking through that temptation being around me. Are you, is this going to be a forever thing or are you going to be a flash in the pan? But I remember in my life coming to a place of a decision when I said, Lord, if you will help me, if you will help me, I commit my life that I'm going to live for you the rest of my life if you will help me. And I want you to know that if you commit your life unto the Lord, he will help you. But you can't live sloppy. You can't live haphazard and think. And I just, at that moment, I made up my mind. That's when, I've said it before, but other people would say they ran from the call of God in their life. I didn't do that. I ran to the call of God in my life because I'm like, hey, if I'm going to do this thing all the way, then I want to go all the way. I want to give my life totally. And I remember committing my life to God because I'm like, if I'm going to serve God and I'm going to be in the church, I might as well do it all the way. How foolish to be halfway in the church and lukewarm and struggle because I just didn't make the commitment. I played around. I, I piddled around with the world. I messed around and made it hard on myself. Why would I want to do that? I'm, I'm not that smart, but I'm not that dumb either. I'm like, if I'm going to live for God, then, then, then why make it hard for myself? If you live for God hard, it will be easy. If you live for God easy, it will be hard. If you live half committed, it'll be difficult, but if you live committed to the Lord, I'm telling you what, you can live for God throughout the the remainder of your life. In victory, you can live for the Lord. Suitcase packed. I'm ready. I need a good heaven song or something. (laughs) It's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth it all. It's going to be worth it all. Some beautiful happy day. You might as well smile. You can be miserable on your way to heaven, but you might as well smile. (laughs) Amen. Jesus is coming. Music, you can come. I'm closing. How fast will the coming of Jesus be? How fast is it going to be? Ah. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. In a moment. You know what the Greek word for moment is? David, did I hear it? No, I thought you had. Man, I thought you had. I thought I heard it. The Greek word is atom, A-T-O-M-O-S, atomos, atomos, the most individual element, the, most, the smallest divisible element, small in an atom, the smallest period, just like that, in the twinkling of an eye, in the blink of an eye. I did the research. I'm not going to share all the research, but I did the research on how fast the blink of an eye is. Can I just tell you, it's fast. Okay. Are you plugged? Who's who's not plugged in here? I want you come on up here, Denny? So we're gonna we're gonna do a little we're gonna do a little object lesson. Okay. Mm-hmm. I want you. Are you guys paying attention? I want you to look at Denny right now. Look at his face. You gotta look at them though. Look at his face. Okay. I want you to time the blink of his eye. Are you ready? Ah, too late. Okay. Look look at his face again. See see the blink of his ah too late. Thank you. That was powerful. (laughs) Blink of an eye, just like that. Just like that. The blink of an eye. Blink of an eye. Just like that, it's going to happen. And this know, verse 39, that if the goodman of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched, not have suffered his house to be broken through. I know some of you guys in this church here. I know some of you guys that if you knew somebody's going to be breaking into your house at 3:23 on Wednesday morning. I know some of you guys, I know some of you girls, you ladies. <laughs> Y'all are Minnesota women. Whoa, they bad to the bone. They'll be there. They'll be locked and loaded. <laughs> I've seen some of your Facebook posts. You got guns everywhere. We got the message, okay? You're safe. <laughs> I'll tell you what though, that's a deterrent. That's what you call a deterrent. That's why I let people commonly know, I have shotguns, I have rifles, I have pistols. You know what that says? Don't mess with my wife, don't mess with my kids, don't mess with my stuff. And it's a deterrent. But it's a matter of being prepared. He's saying, he's saying be ready. If you knew what hour the thief would come, you say, it's 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I'm tired. toothpicks I got toothpicks toothpick toothpick guns are sitting there we're ready double caffeinated coffee binoculars I'm watching I'm waiting because a thief's coming he's saying in the same way that you would prepare come on I'm wondering if we got some young people in the church. Are you, let's stand together. We got some young adults in the church. Are you ready? Are you preparing? Are, are, are you ready? Are you ready? I hope you are. <laughs> Amen. We need to be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. And then he said in verse number four, Be ye therefore ready also. For the Son of Man cometh in an hour when you think not. You going to be ready? How about us having a relationship? That's why we're doing 21 days of prayer, right? Sharpening ourselves. 21 days of fasting in February. 21 days in the Word in March. Why? We're going to be ready. We're going to be ready. Put those toothpicks in your eyelids. Come on, get some double caffeinated coffee. Try some 10 shots espresso. Come on, wake up. Jesus is coming. We're going to be ready. Are you ready?